0: the federal government is freezing hockey Canada's funding until that organization signs up with a new federal agency that has the power to receive and investigate abuse complaints and issue sanctions for inappropriate behavior. This um, not entirely surprising because this has been a story that's made its way to Ottawa and into the house of Commons. It all goes back to an incident in 2018 and hockey Canada's handling of sexual assault allegations against a number of players on the 2018 national junior team. Um, Back then, it was a gala apparently that followed the team's gold medal win that year in London, Ontario. And a woman claimed that she had been sexually assaulted in her hotel room by at least eight members of that team. It it was settled by Hockey Canada. And now the questions are, how was it settled? There's taxpayer money that goes to Hockey Canada. Why was it settled? Why was it kept quiet? Uh, As I say, it made it into the House of Commons. Justin Trudeau was talking about it uh, earlier this week. Mr. Speaker, as a government, we have continually stood up to push back against sexual misconduct and harassment uh, in organizations and workplaces across the country. And Hockey Canada is no different. Organizations and people in leadership positions must do their utmost and take decisions to end this culture and trivialization of sexual violence in sport. It's why we commissioned the financial audit to shed light on the use of public funds. We want to get to the bottom of this, and all options are being considered to determine the next steps. Uh, This behaviour is unacceptable, Mr. Speaker. And it's not just the Trudeau government. Three Conservative critics issued a joint statement on the matter on Tuesday, saying that while Canadians glorify hockey players... Quote, we can never do that at the expense of our children, our sons and daughters, and put in jeopardy our loved ones. So this, once again, is another issue that has come to light in terms of, what does it say about our game? And I think it's it's fair to call Canada's game hockey. And we know that this is just the latest in a, in a series of stories that put a lot of people, you know... Um, on guard when it comes to hockey and the culture surrounding it. So let's get into that discussion now and find out exactly what we need to do. I know a lot of work's been done, but obviously not enough. We're going to chat with Alison Sandmeyer-Graves, who is the CEO of Canadian Women in Sport. Alison, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Good morning. As I say, these stories, you know, they're, they're not new, unfortunately. We know they're not new. Um, I know there's been a lot of work around dealing with this kind of misconduct, especially at the minor levels. Um, but like it or not, you know, it's, it's coming up in the House of Commons and you hear the conservatives and you hear the prime minister all talking about the culture um, and the concerns that people have. If you're a parent with a child and not just hockey, but any activity, this has to raise alarm bells, right? This is the kind of thing that you dread hearing about.
1: Absolutely, and I would say, really, this is just the most recent example yeah. of this, and not not necessarily unique to hockey either. Uh, but I would say that this is an extreme example of gender-based violence, and my concern really goes to the victim and anybody else for whom this situation brings up trauma. Certainly, this was a life-changing event for her, and I think it's rightly shocking to people to imagine that there may never be consequences for the for the men, the young men who are involved. Um the fact is that gender-based violence is prevalent in society and in sport. Uh, when you look at Stats Canada, 30% of all women, 15 and over, have been sexually assaulted outside of a relationship at least once since they were 15 years old. That's really troubling. That's cr- and yeah. and in sport, we see that, um, you know, certainly abuse, <laughs> abuse and harassment and discrimination are experienced by all genders, um, but, again, women... Are most impacted, are experience it most. So while we're seeing a lot of progress, and I, I want to leave listeners with certainly not a not a sense that that sport is an unsafe place for yeah. their children, but. But there's work to be done,
0: for sure. I think you make an excellent point. Like I say, I, I, I coached in minor hockey for, for years and years and years and years and years. And I know I've seen firsthand the work that has been done with all kinds of training, all kinds of rules. I mean, it, it, it's a focus. If you're involved in minor hockey, at least, you know, when I was in the associations I was with, it was a focus and it was talked about all the time. So work has been done and and I think it, we have made progress, but like you say, um, Clearly, there's a lot more work left to do. I mean, that, thats the focus. What? How do we get? How do we um, continue to move that needle? I don't, Obviously, it hasn't moved far enough. But what needs to be done? What is being done?
1: Sure. Well, I would say that uh, uh, there's a, well, certainly a lot of conversation, a lot of effort on this. I was just together with other national sport leaders a couple of weekends ago, and this was again the major topic of conversation. There's two. There's two usual ways that this gets looked at. One is, how do we respond when abuse happens? And the other one is, how do we prevent it in the first place? Which is, I think, what, what most people want to see happen. Certainly what we're seeing with the Hockey Canada uh, case right now is, you know, the, people saying that the response was totally inadequate. This was not the way, right way to handle this. And frankly, this is something that the government and others have been focused on, on fixing because that is a situation that's been happening across all sports a lot of conflict of interest, right? So mm-hmm. when, uh, when someone within the sport environment experiences harm, historically, the only place that they really had to report it, if not the police, was back into the sport organization, who has a lot at stake in these situations. And that conflict of interest has led leaders in sport organizations to fundamentally mishandle a lot of these cases. Uh, so the government of Canada has implemented requirements that you have to have independent management of these cases. It cannot, it cannot be the responsibility of the CEO of the sport or of the national sport or what have you to look at these. It has to be totally at arm's length. And they've gone even further at the national level to establish a new entity called Abuse Free Sport, which launched just this week. This is the one that the government is now requiring Hockey Canada to sign on to. Um, And so they're going to be handling any cases like this going forward totally at arm's length from the sports who are involved, for whom it's their players or it's their coaches or what have you. Uh, So that's a step. But again, that only only really services the the national level. There aren't effective solutions for this at at the provincial and at the grassroots level of sport yet. Um, And so then we really need to look at prevention this situation right. was preventable. <laughs> they all are. All of these situations are preventable. And unfortunately, sport is historically a space of hyper-masculinity, which often includes objectification and even subjugation or power over women. Homogenous spaces, you know, pl- places where like most people sort of look alike and think alike and have the same lived experiences, such as You know, mostly male spaces um, have less checks and balances on bad behavior. We need greater diversity in sport, in all sports. uh, And that will help to create more positive, safe, healthy cultures. And then you mentioned training, training for parents, for coaches, for athletes. It exists. Um, We just need to make good use of it and, and continue to do that training so that athletes understand consent. They understand their responsibilities and they understand how to protect themselves, too.
0: Yeah and and you know and then we come back to culture which is what we, we you know you're talking about sort of the overall umbrella term here that encompasses everything that we're talking about here is trying to change this the culture and, and and all of these things work towards that um I'm wondering when we hear something like the way hockey canada handled this you know it was settled and blah 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 um the fact that there was no criminal involvement or criminal court involvement anything like that I mean that to me is sets back that culture and it just sort of entrenches the view that some people have where, uh, you know, if you're an elite athlete, you can get away with things like this. It'll be brushed under the rug. I mean, don't we need to hold people to accountable publicly, loudly, and make sure that everybody knows this is unacceptable? Well, I would
1: certainly agree with that statement and I think many people would. Uh, Unfortunately, we definitely do still have a culture in our society that uh, celebrates athletes and forgives them very quickly for t- their transgressions. So we see this within the NHL, right? Oh yeah, there absolutely. are players that. Well, the NHL, but let's be honest, <laughs> we see it in all the in all the major leagues um, where there are athletes who have. If you can help a team win, we will overlook all
0: kinds of bad
1: behavior. Exactly, exactly. You can be charged with any number of offenses, and people just need to wait the right amount of time before they sign them back up again. So it's, uh, and I think that sends a lot of signals, right, to people that if you're an athlete and if you're talented,
0: uh, you can get away with stuff. There's a different set of and rules. And we know
1: that there's a different set of rules. It's a, it's a double standard. And that's a tough, you know, these are young impressionable people, right? And they are, they are taking their cues from the adults around them and the culture around them of like, what's, what's okay and what's not okay? Where is that line? And what are the consequences for crossing that line? And, and I think that we need to, to, you know, we can love sport. And we can celebrate how much good it creates in people's lives in our communities and acknowledge that this is not okay and this this needs to happen. And that holding athletes accountable, holding anybody, not I yeah, don't want exactly, to suggest yeah. it's only athletes, holding people accountable and them experiencing the consequences, you know, that's how our society functions best. Yeah, and and it, if it means that they, you know, their athletic career or their career is impacted. You know that those are the the choices we live with.
0: But Allison, it, it, it's it's for the good of the game. That's what makes the game better too. I mean, for goodness sake, you're hurting yourself by not stepping up and and making it a bigger deal. You're really not. Yeah. Yeah, Allison, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's Allison Sandmeyer Graves who is CEO of Canadian Women in Sport. And that's what, that's what upsets me about this, is a guy who loves the game and loves minor sport and has been involved with it for a really long time and knows firsthand the work that these organizations and these associations are doing to make it safe and inclusive and inviting. And, and then you see a story like this at the highest level, the World Junior Championship hockey team acting like this, and it gets brushed under the rug. And it seems to me, in a way, all the hard work we do at the grassroots level gets sullied by this.